No slushy. No slushy. When I get on the. Sit picking cards, I'm so nimble. Should've picked an envoy or this rare temple. I know you really wanna see that blue white trawler. Drop it, start laughing, make him holla. Drop it. The first thing is you see, I wanna be humongous. Slamming cards with keeps like the Biscafagus. Come with us and you'll find, check your minds, and make the competition go mental with the fines. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special pre-recording of Jeff Dunks. Oh boy, I'm Jeff Cleave. With me, as always, is Sean Matus. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good. I'm really good. Sweet. I'm good. Yeah. Sweet. Ready you, to do this? Yeah, I'm ready. How are you doing? First of all, how are you doing? Ooh, how am I doing? Doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. All right. Doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. Why are we here today? Uh, we are going to introduce a brand new segment to the world, which is, we got to come up with a name for it. I've been thinking about it, about it something like progressions or sequences, because what we're doing here is we're predicting the most powerful sequence of cards in commons and uncommons for the upcoming limited set. Yeah, that's a lot of weight to put on it, but sure, why not? It's sweet, because I think this is going to be super useful, because this is what everything turns into. This is what we all find out eventually, right? We're really going to look back at this, and I think we're going to have nailed a couple of these and really not nailed some other ones. I don't, I don't think we're going to nail any of them, to be honest with you, but let's, what? let's find out. Yeah. What? No. Maybe you didn't no. do your research, because I feel like I found some powerful combinations. Okay, well, let's, let's do this. Let's find More out. Powerful. Let's see how many holes I can poke in your argument. Let's do it. Why don't you uh, say what color we're doing first? Because I'm ready to go on all of them. I'm feeling confident with all my colors. Wow. So well, I... let's let's break down the rules for everybody. What I said is uh, I, I sprung this on Sean just like two days ago. I said, what if we try doing a brand new thing? And uh, we each have to start in a color. One of the five colors in the, in the pie. And uh, you pick a point in the mana progression, let's say a two drop. And you then... With using only commons and uncommons, lay out a two drop, a three drop, and a four drop, or maybe a two drop, a three drop, or maybe, sorry, maybe a two drop, then a two drop, and a one drop, but a sequence of cards you can play that looks like it's very powerful and things we will we'll want to start looking out for right away. So already, so, like so already he's changed the rules on me, but that's okay. That's all right. He, he obviously set himself up here. Now you can play two drop, one drop, two drop, where before it had to be two, three, four, or one, two, three. But that's okay. What? It's okay if you set yourself what? up. We can check the record. We can go I back said, and check the I record. Also, let's, okay, I said that, but I also said that we could splash into a different color. That We had to start in a color, but we could splash into a different color. Do you remember that? Well, you used the word progressive, which generally means, oh, boy. What are we calling this? Uh, let's call it an attempt Sequence. to to not fail. The sequences, changes. Ch -ch 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 -ch. No, we're calling this um adapting or growing. 
I don't know. We're going to come up with something really cool. We're going to call it really cool. We're going to call it mutating. Mutating. But that we we get, we're going to do this for every set though. Oh. Doesn't make sense. Oh boy. We're, we're predicting sequences of cards. We're predicting play patterns. Predicting play patterns. PPP. 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 Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the historic first recording of PPP. PPP. Sean, pick a color. I'm going with... This is, uh, this is PPP Accordion. And I, I also, there in the original, there was not necessarily every color choice available. Just, you just said go for some. But anyway, we'll go. let's start with white. I want to start with white. You want to start or you want me to start? I want you to start with white, and then I'm going to tell you what my white is. Okay. One drop. Flourishing Fox. Uncommon. <laughs> One white, one one. When you cycle another card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Flourishing Fox. Cycling for one colorless. That's my one drop, Sean. All right, that's, I actually have the same thing as my one drop. Oh, this is perfect. We nailed it. All right, two drop. Splendid Mare. Yeah. Uh, two colorless, one white. Lifelink, three, three. Cycling, one colorless, one white. When you cycle Splendid Mare, put a lifelink counter on target creature you control. Sean, what do we have at this point on the board? Yep. It's turn two. What's on you the got, board right now? You, you got a 2-2 two, two, two Flourishing Fox with lifelink. And you're only down one card. Yep, because you drew a card for you, cycling. You've played two lands and one Flourishing Fox, and you've already drawn a card. Or you've drawn a card each turn plus the next one. Turn three, I'm splashing into red, Sean. That's where I went here. Sanctuary Smasher. Four colorless red red first strike cycling two colorless one red when you cycle sanctuary smasher put a first strike counter on target creature you control six four now we have a three three first strike life linking fox and you've drawn two cards and Turn three. so are any of those uncommons they are all uncommons. So that makes it a little bit more difficult, right? Pretty difficult. But I would say that maybe if you get Flourishing Fox down on one, either of those are good on two or three. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. What do you got? So I have the first uh, with the fo Flourishing Fox. Uh, my second is, as well, the Splendid Mare. I think that's a great combination, right? And even if you're not doing that, like let's say that Splendid Mare is just in your hand, that's such a good card, you're going to be using it later anyways, right? Agreed. Um, but my, my three drop here is the... And I stayed... Generally, I, I stayed in the same color. Um, good for you. And I tried to uh, not do... Good for you. Uncommons, but on this one I did. I did the same thing you did. And I did a Keen Sight Mentor, which is... Um, when Keensight Mentor enters the battlefield, put a Vigilance counter on target non-human creature you control. Ooh, nice. And that would be the creature, obviously, your Flourishing Fox now is a 2-2 lifelink with Vigilance. Yep. But the other thing the Keensight Mentor does is gives plus one, plus one counters to any creature you have with Vigilance. So every turn after this, or maybe in the future when you just need a mana sink, you're pumping that guy up with lifelink on it. And basically... How much does it cost to do that? Two, two uh, or sorry, one white, one colorless tap. That's not bad. I like that. No, and so this guy's also a great blocker. He's a 1-4, and um, so he can block and then basically pump your lifelinker, and then by turn 4 or 5, you're they're having to deal with a 4-4, four, 5-5, four, five, five, six, six lifelink creature. That's pretty nasty. All right. With Vigilance. I like, yours. I like yours more than mine. 
I'm gonna give the nod to you on this one, Sean, but we will see because I'm not saying, but I'm just saying there might be a time in the future where all this stuff come back, comes back to haunt us in the future episode. What color are we doing next? But wait a minute, I wanna add one more thing in here quickly. Something, you are not doing this again. In the last time we did a review, something you I, always were like, but, something but I, I also wanna throw in this other card. No, 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 something I noticed. So this is interesting to me. Something I did notice was that there are not a lot of good two drop creatures in all the colors. White is one of the only ones that has a decent amount of two drop creatures. When we get to blue, you're gonna see there are n almost none. Uh, there's a the little flying one one that looks like it has some amazing synergies that we may or may not get to so um hold your tongue but the other thing i wanted to mention was that um white wants to be vigilant and so there are quite a few cards that are already containing vigilance and also in green there are some that are um, already vigilant so if you're looking to make the most out of that card you could also keep that in mind. Moving on. We are so vigilant. Very, <sighs> very typical. All right, what color? I'm moving on Did to, uh, I, I don't have anything in blue because I, I tried to stay on the aggressive side. I don't. I, I, you I, just didn't do blue? I skipped it because I could not find anything pass. in the one, two, three area that- Hard pass. Hard pass. I, I looked and looked. There seemed to be a great- Wow. A, an amazing combination that you could do if you did four or five cards, but it seems like okay. a support color to me. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, two drop, one blue, one red, Sprite Dragon. It's a one, one flying haste. When you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Sprite Dragon. Okay. Turn two, Gust of Wind, Sorcery, three colorless, one blue. This spell costs two less to cast if you control a creature with flying. Return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand, draw a card. On the same turn, Heightened reflexes, one red, instant, target creature gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn, put a first strike counter on it. Yeah. All right, so now we have a sprite dragon on turn three that is, uh, let's see, it's a three, three flyer, but you also bounced your opponent's thing and you also drew a card. All that. Oh, and it has a first strike counter on it too. Yeah, that also. Flying first strike three three. That all seems really good. And how many are in commons? <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah, it's two. Probably not many of them. Probably uh, only one. Okay. Only the sprite dragon. Okay, so that actually seems realistic to me. That one seems like it's doable and also very good. I did not see that. Okay. Gust of wind is a card that I think is going to be the one we look back at it and are gonna say, well, the combination had Gust of Wind in it. This card, again, I'm gonna read it. Three colorless, one blue. This spell costs two less to cast if you control a creature with flying. So let's just set up a scenario where this is two mana. And then it's really super good. It's return target and online permanent it you don't control it to its owner's hand and you draw a card. Yep. That's so good. It's true. And so there's also a two drop, uh, jellyfish looking thing that's a 1-1 one, one flyer that you can pay two mana to untap it. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a good mutate target because you can make something big and untap it, but it's also going to be a good card to use in tandem with this. It's going to be an early flying creature you get out and then you start gusting of wind your opponent's stuff. And if the bots don't value gust of wind highly, oh my goodness, this card is going to get so annoying. Do you think that that deck is going to want Ominous Sea? 
Oh yeah, I was trying to make a combo with that actually. That was my original combo was going to be like ominous C turn one, and then something else turn two, and then or, or, yeah, something else, some flyer turn two, and then turn three was going to be this gust of wind. But the only problem with that uh, scenario I was putting together is I had all this wasted mana. Like on turn three, I was only using two mana, and on turn four, I was I, I was playing a two mana card. Obviously, you could have played two of them maybe, but there, there's something going on there. There is, and I, 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 I did the same thing. I felt like I was just spinning my wheels, which is what I felt like I was doing a lot with blue, except for that combination. Say, say what Ominous Sea does, because I didn't take a snapshot of it here, but can you tell us? Yeah, so it's an enchantment, one blue, one colorless. Whenever you draw a card, put a four shadow counter on Ominous Sea. So this is going to build up over time. Remove eight four shadow counters from Ominous Sea and create an 8-8 eight, eight blue Kraken token creature. Or you can cycle it for two. So to me, that's a great card. Yeah. Yeah, and with Gust of Wind, that's a great card to go with it because it's just a tempo. You keep drawing cards, bouncing your opponent's stuff, casting more spells. Right. <clears throat> Perfect. And then there's the uh, Don't Forget About Boon of the Wish Giver, which lets you draw four cards. So those together, like, oh, you know, boy. by turn you get to turn six. If you're, if you're, you know, finishing off your Ominous Sea and all of a sudden, bam, there comes this Don't do it. Whoop. Don't do it. Um, oh, that's really interesting that you didn't even have anything to bring to the table on blue. That I wonder if that will come up in the future. Okay, what do you got next? What color is next? Uh, I've got black next. Black is next. All right, here we go. And did you pick a sequence of cards for black? Yeah, I did. You, okay, all right, good. My sequence has a little prerequisite. Oh boy, here we go. On turn one or two, you had to have played a creature. <laughs> That's fine, right? Sure. I can have that? Why not? Thank you. Because on turn three, I'm playing Void Beckoner. It's six colorless, black, black, death touch, cycling, two colorless and a black. When you cycle Void Beckoner, put a death touch counter on target creature you control. Yep. So that's what I'm doing. And then on the next turn, I'm playing Blood Curdle. Three colorless, one black, instant, destroy a creature, put a menace counter on a creature you control. So now my uh, creature has uh, menace and death touch, so if something blocks it, I'm killing two things. And then on turn five, I'm casting Unbreakable Bond, which is four colorless and one black sorcery. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a lifelink counter on it. So I now have an eight, eight death touch lifelink as well on turn five. And I, this is two commons and, wait, no, two uncommons and one common. The removal spell that I put in the middle is the common. Uh, so, yeah, this is the place in the episode where I think we talk about that this is seemingly what this whole thing is about, right? Building these amalgamations that are just, oh, my gosh, what, am I, what do I do about that thing? Um, which always leads me to the question of when you have this, you know, tall, these things that are tall rather than wide, if removal is really good in the set, it's going to make it very interesting, right? Because mm -hmm. do you want to put out the second creature? Do you want to mutate it? Do you want to make this Voltron thing? Like, And everything that we're looking at so far, it seems like we're making this amalgamation, right? We're yes, but all of these ones are getting card advantages as well. That's true. That's true. And, and I think that... I think that that is the way that this is going to go. I'm just wondering, did you happen to notice while you were looking through, did you get a feeling for how removal was going to be? Removal looks amazing. Mm -hmm. I thought the same thing, and they'd give it to you in a ton of different ways, right? Right. 
Okay. And a lot of the creatures don't look super good, and a lot of the mutates don't look super good. So what I really kept looking for were ways to either mutate or cycle with also slipping in a little removal. You'll notice two of the ones I've done have had like a removal spell in the middle there to take care of what my opponent's doing in the meantime. Right. But then also getting some card advantage out of it, whether it be that blue bounce spell that gives you card advantage or the cycling that white gives you or the cycling that uh, black gives you. Right. In these two examples where you're still using that cycling to your advantage as well as getting a card out of it. Right, which is totally your style of play. It's like getting, getting to the late game making sure you're covered for that. And I think I'm taking a, a little bit more of a look at how do I get to turn three and have a huge advantage that if they can't remove it right away, they're going to be in big trouble. Oh, boy. Okay. Give it to me. So here it is. Here's my, my for black. Um, turn one. This is a common. It's called the Zyg... I'm sorry. It's an uncommon. It's called the Zygoth Mamba. Okay. One black. Yeah. It's a 1-1 one, one creature. Whenever this creature mutates, target a uh, creature an opponent controls gets negative two, negative two until end of turn. Turn two, you're playing Unexpected Fangs. Unexpected Fangs is an instant common. I love this card, by the way. Uh, put a plus one, plus one counter and a lifelink counter on target creature. Okay? So now you got a 2-2 two, two lifelinker. Not that big of a deal, right? But maybe if you got lucky, they attacked him with their 1-1 one, one, and you busted it and, and got a two life out of it. Let's just say for fun that that happened. And then for turn or for, for your three play, you're going to be playing Insatiable, and I'm, I'm going to mess this, uh, this Hermiophage um, word up. I think this is also a um, uncommon. And this is the mutate you want to do here. So um, this is a, a three mutate. Uh, whenever this creature mutates, each opponent loses X life, and you gain X life, where X is the number of times this creature is mutated. So... You're getting it on the board early and mutating it early. It's also a 3-3 three, three creature. So you're basically now jumping your one, your 2-2 two, two lifelinker up to a 3-3 three, three lifelinker with death touch. And uh, I think that's pretty good to... Actually, no, it's a 4-4 four, four lifelinker with death touch. Excuse me. 4-4 four, four lifelinker with death touch. Right? Because of I'm the... I'm distracted right now because my... my entire family is texting me which is popping up on the computer that we're recording on <laughs> so serious competition to the podcast right now oh boy so i have a question for you on mutating there's a lot of yes, there's, there's a lot of things that say when this creature mutates and i always assume that when you put this card in play it's mutating right when you cast it that's considered one of the times that it's mutating correct now there's a lot of cards that also say when this creature mutates each opponent does something depending on how many times this thing is mutated. So I have another question for you. If this, before you play the, a card that has that text within it. You, you keep wanting me to be the rules judge here. I, you were asking me this on the last episode too. We need to get a rules judge on the podcast. I just, this I am not. I know, but just let me ask the question because maybe it'll, maybe one of our listeners mm. will know. Mm. So does it count all the ones that have already been there? So if you've already mutated something three times and then you put that thing on there, does it count up all those other times already? No. No, you asked this on the last one. There's no way that's true. So it's going forward. Unless, unless it's one of those things that says the number of times this has mutated. Like, isn't that's that what the it one says. you just read? Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm talking about. The one you read. Yes, yes. In that case, it does. If it actually says that in the text, it does... 
something based on the number of times it has mutated, that would be, yes, like four times. So it mutated it four times. if it already had mutated three times before you put that card on it, you would right. get the benefit of the three times prior to that card hitting the table. Right, but you were talking about bringing up how good the removal is, and the removal is sweet, so I think there's going to be a huge disadvantage to building up one thing too tall, unless, again, you're getting some kind of other incremental advantage out of it, like you're not actually going down on cards. Right. Yeah, I don't know right. if there's a three drop that can take out a four four, but maybe. Yeah. But death touch. Right. 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 But this this also has death touch. Anyway, interesting. One two three. Uh, moving on. You ready for red? I'm ready for red. This is the first one I came up with, and the oh. last one I came back to to put a to make sure I agreed with. You know, because I wasn't sure if all the spoilers were out, so I was going through them. Mm -hmm. And I was picking them out. I'm like, I wonder if I even have access to all the cards right now. So then at the end, I went back to red wondering. But I ended up with the same one. All right. Two drop. I'm staying on the same uh, boat of uh, mixing in a removal spell. Right. Because uh, I could see that being pretty powerful here, making sure people get their thing, get your opponent's thing off the board so they can't mutate onto it or whatever. So turn two, I'm, I'm casting Fire Prophecy. It's a common... One colorless, one red instant. Fire Prophecy deals three damage to target creature. You may put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library if you do draw a card. It's pretty sweet. It's basically like a free cycling kind of. Mm -hmm. I like it. So I'm just hitting whatever's on the board that turn. Next turn. Artifact, creature, fox. Wait, this thing is not an art. It doesn't say the word artifact in it. Crazy. It's a colorless creature, fox, but it doesn't have the word artifact in it. Hmm. It's a 1-1 one, one, Farfinder. Vigilance, when Farfinder enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land, reveal it, put it into your hand, shuffle your library. You know I love cards like this, right, Sean? You do love cards like this. Skittering Serrera. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I got this uh, this pro named Wyatt Darby to sign my Skittering Surveyor. See, one uh, pro tour, Dominaria. Okay, <laughs> next turn, Cloud Piercer. For all these are commons, I just realized. Bing, bang, bong. Common, common, common. Do this every time. Cloud Piercer. Four colorless, one red. But for Mutate, it's three colorless, one red. That's what I'm looking to do here on turn four. It's a reach, five, four. When this creature mutates, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. So uh, now it's turn four. I got a 5-4 reach vigilance with haste. And I removed something on turn two. And I got a land out of it. And I got to cycle a couple cards. I'm doing all kinds of fun things. I'm doing some serious hand shaping at this point. You're, you're liking that, in other words. Oh, 5-4 and turn four. I've just shaped my hand to exactly set up what I want to do the next couple turns and to make this happen. I did it all with commons. You're happy about that, in other words. <sighs> did you pick the same thing? Um, I, I like that combination. Um, I think that's a really good one. I didn't. I, I tried to go a little bit outside the box. I really wanted to figure out a way to use uh, reptilian reflection. What does this do? So it's an enchantment uh, three drop. Whenever you recycle a card, you may have a reptilian reflection become a 5-4 dinosaur creature with trample and haste in addition to its other types of until end of turn. Ooh. Um, I, don't, I don't even remember looking at that one. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so that's a, it's an uncommon. Uh, and then there's just a lot of things you can do with that, right? And, and so basically any cycling card on turn three, or sorry, turn four, 
um, along with, and most of those are two cost, so you're also putting a two drop in play, so that would be um, the Dranolith Slinger. Whenever you cycle another card, it deals one damage to each opponent. So let's just say that's turn four. You, you put that down and you cycle the card, so you deal uh, a damage and attack with your 5-4. Sean, can we please cycle the Sanctuary Smasher? Sure. It's a cycling for three. It's a red card. When you cycle it, uh, you put a first strike counter on a target creature you control. Yeah, and so there, there, there's two things on that note. One, every color has a creature, a human creature that gives your color, your creatures, excuse me, um, some sort of token, menace, first strike, whatever, right? And then there's also a card that does exactly what you just said. It, it gives you... Cycles. Yes. And you put it on something. Yeah. It like gives you... Line for blue, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so this one's first strike. So that's yeah. that's great. We're, we're in all, we're in red already, right? And now I'm, I'm assuming that counter is just staying on the enchantment after it goes back to being an enchantment again. I would assume the same thing, but... I would assume it as well. So then you got a six... Uh, I'm sorry, you got a five, four, first strike. And then on turn four, you have a bunch of options again. You can either... Use any one of the um, cards that we've mentioned already, like the the black chromophage um, or any of the other things that mutate on turn four to make that thing ridiculous. Or uh, there's a few other four. I'm sorry, five drop. You're, you're at the five drop spot then, right? Because at four we cycled yes. and dropped the guy that gave you. Um, and where what was that five drop that I? Oh, here it is. Um, so here's your little card advantage if you want to go for your five drop. My little card advantage. Yeah, you're. Oh <laughs> you said you love to um, to do that. Well, it's important to have card advantage in this game that we play. So, the five drop I would probably choose in this situation is the rooting Moloch, which says it's a four-four creature for five mana, one red, four colorless. When Rooting Morlock enters the battlefield, exile target card with a cycling ability from your graveyard, which you just dropped okay. in there, right? Yes, until, we did. Until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. Boom. Ooh. Oh, that's perfect, because this thing's a six drop. You got it. Ah. All right, let's break it down again. What was the three drop called? So, the three, called? the three drop is called? an uncommon, and it's an enchantment. Yes. It's called Reptilian Reflection. Okay, turn four, are we cycling the Sanctuary Smasher We're, and giving it first strike correct. and getting a card out of it? That's right. And you're also... We're basically, We're basically casting an enchantment for three mana that says, draw a card, give this creature first strike. And you're also putting in play the Dranalus Stinger, if you have it in your hand at that time, which would be perfect, because then you're also dealing one damage to any target, or each opponent, excuse and, me. And it's very important that this Smasher ended up in the graveyard. That's right. Just keep going. What's next turn? So then on turn five, you're playing your Rooting Moloch, Moloch, which when it comes into play, you exile a card with cycling in your from your graveyard, and then until the end of your next turn, you can play that card. And that's the Sanctuary Smasher. That is. What does this Moloch do? What is it again? It's a 4-4 four, four creature. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. I like it. Yes, we're putting some serious bodies on the board here at this point. Right. Are the, what are these? Mine was an uncommon. Do you have any commons in your pile over there? Yeah, there's one, one common, two uncommons. All right. Okay, well, these won't happen often, but they will happen, and they sound very powerful. Okay, that only leaves us with one color, correct? Is that correct? Uh, that's right. 
Yeah, that's, that's just one left here. Mine is sweet. Ready to hear a sweet one? Mm, not really, but okay. No, I don't know. Okay, well, I don't know what I did on turn one, two, or three, but it was sweet. And then on turn four, I cast Migration Path. Uh-oh. It's a sorcery. And I search my library for up to two basic lands. I put them onto the battlefield tapped, and I shuffle my library. And it's an uncommon. So now you have six lands in play? Yes, I do. And next turn, assuming I have another land to play. And if I don't, by the way, we'll get to that. If I don't, argument that I know you're going to say. So we're not even going to talk about it. <laughs> And on the next turn, we're playing, uh, so seven lands, we're playing Greater Sandworm. So on turn five, we're playing a 7-7 seven, seven that can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Mm -hmm. and, so, and this is a common, and since we put this big hunkin' beast in our deck and we may not be able to play it early, especially if we're mana screwed, guess what? It has Cycling 2 on it, so don't worry. So just settle down, everybody, and just put it in your deck. Jeez, eh. Louis. Sean, so uh, I don't know about that. Guess what we're doing, guess what we're doing after that? I don't know. What? You're going to like this one, Sean. Uh, Titanoth Rex. For an 8-drop. What's it's that? It's an 8-drop? This one's actually 9. 9-drop. <laughs> but we're getting there. Okay. Because right. uh, this one is uh, 7 colorless, green-green, trample, 11-11. Green, green, but when you cycle it, you put a, a trample counter on a creature. You oh, gosh. Okay, so you're going to cycle it out. All right, I know what you're saying here, Sean. Let's just back up the train a little bit. You're like, how did you even have that extra land in your hand after you played Migration Path? I mean, you already played your four lands to play that, and you you thinned your deck out by two lands. So how did you have the lands to do all that? Well, all right, fine. Well, and if you I said you already had a, a couple creatures on the board, too. I have a backup plan. <laughs> I have a backup plan. All right? I played... Here's what I did. I played Migration Path on turn four after doing a bunch of sweet stuff on turns one, two, and three. Right, right. Then guess what I did next turn? Probably nothing. I didn't have, I didn't have a common, and I didn't have a land in my hand to play. But I did have this common called the Honey Mammoth, Ooh. and it's a six-six for six, and it says when it enters the battlefield, I gain four life. Oh, thank you, perfect. I'm all set now. And then the next turn after that, I hit my land and I played my Greater Sandworm. I have a six-six and a seven-seven in play. What are you doing? Well, I'm thinking that Jeff Dunks. Hold on a second. One more. Hold on one second. I gotta do something. I actually think that green. Hold on, hold on one second. I'm not gonna wait. You don't have to hear me. I'm I'm talking to our our, our, our crowd here. Jeff Dunks. Oh god. So I think that green's gonna be at a little bit of a disadvantage in this set because everybody's gonna have big creatures. It's not gonna be difficult. Like putting a six six in play for six is not good in my opinion. What are you talking about? It's not. And not no, we're making we're giving these other creatures like lifelink and vigilance, but we aren't putting counters on them. They're still just the stats of one card. No, on they the are getting plus one plus one counters. That's why you're doing it. If you were listening, yeah, the little the little foxes, but it's not turning into a six six anytime soon. Oh, dude, I'm about to blow you out of the water with this one. All right, oh, so here goodness. we go. I I can get a six six. I turn four. I think so. Ready? Are you ready? Oh, that's fine because I have a seven seven as well. <laughs> If I turn eight, I gained, I gained four life. Yeah. Not to mention that you're going to have uh, a six, and I'm, a six cost, I'm setting a seven up my cost, 11, 11. and an eight cost in your hand. <laughs> I got I to gotta say this again. Oh, by the way, there's a creature in here for two mana that for it can tap and add a mana of any color. Yeah. All right, yeah. and it can only be used on creatures. Yeah. And guess what? It's casting. I'm going to say it again. Oh my god! I don't think you heard this one. Seven colorless, green, green, 
Titanoth Rex Trample 1111. Mm -hmm. And it has cycling for two. So what am I doing with all these big creatures in my hand, Sean? I'm cycling them. Good job. And I'm hitting my land drops. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. So <sighs> here we go. Are you ready? Turn one. Almighty Brushwag. Right? It's a one drop. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah, one one I've trampler. Uh, and it's pumpable. Um, you can give it plus three, plus three until end of turn for one green, three colorless. That's your one yep. drop. Common. Common. Two drop. Common. Another common. Essence Symbion. Symbiote. Sorry. It's a creature beast. One green, one colorless. Do you know what it does? One green, one. Oh, this one looked cool. Isn't it like the lion looking thing? It's like a little fox bat looks like a fox bat. Oh, no, I don't remember this one. I don't know what it does. Whenever a creature you control mutates, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature and gain two life. What is this? What is the creature, did you say? A two-two creature. So it's a two-two. Yep, All right. I played a one-one okay. and a two-two. Turn one, one-one, turn two, two-two. Ready? Okay, come with you, okay. Turn three, Glowstone Recluse. Is this the is this the big one here? This is my. Wait a second. We talked we talked about this in our um, last episode. It's a spider. We talked about how they live in Hudson, Wisconsin. That's they right. bite everybody. That's right. So this is one of those cards that you always talk about that I go crazy about because it's like broken for me. So this is a mutate of four, or you can just play it as a three drop. Right. Yeah. Whenever this creature mutates, put two plus one plus one counters on it. Okay. So that in combination with your Essence symbiote starts to get out of control really quick. Wait, what is it? So what happens? The turn after this, break it down for me. Uh, so turn four, what are you doing, you mean? Yeah, you, tell me when this gets ridiculous and give me an example. Um, what do you like? Are you like uh, mutating something onto your recluse and then what happens at well, that Well, so actually what I would want to do now that I'm reading this, I thought it was a mutate of three. It's not. It's a mutate of four. So I kind of I kind of messed that up. Oh, hold on a second. One second here. I gotta play something. One second. I love waiting. One second. It's nice. Let me get something going. Mm. Jeff Dunks. Nice, nice. Um, so you would basically what you'd want to do is mutate onto your almighty Bragwash, because it becomes. Uh, you get the it's plus a big trampler. Yeah, you get the plus one plus one from the essence symbiote, and you get the plus one two plus one plus ones from the glowstone recluse, and it has reach. So you would be a four four trample reach that can pump itself for three. Yes, I also think that that one drop can spiral out of control and be very annoying uh, in the later game because it's the perfect thing to. Uh, mutate onto. I was looking at that card pretty closely as well and was like, how can I mutate onto this thing? Because it looks like you could do some sweet things. So I will say that that deck that you were talking about with the cycling and these huge creatures, it's totally a real thing. Um, and the reason why I know that is because in green, in an uncommon, uh, which I was going to build around two here, which I th still think you could, but it would be, it's more of a card you want to top deck, I think, is Charge of the Forever Beast. It's a sorcery. As an it's a three drop, uh, one green, two colorless. As an additional cost to this, cast this spell, reveal a creature card from your hand. Charge the Forever Beast deals damage to the two target creature or planeswalker equal to the revealed card's power. Mm. Mm. 
That's the one. Mm. Mm. It's sounding pretty good. There's also another creature that says that you have to reveal it. Now. And it does. Um, where is that card? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. But I know the green has some ridiculously big monsters compared to normal. Yeah, that's for sure. The monsties are getting real big in this set for green. There's just some there's just some big stats. There's six six, a seven seven, an eleven eleven. These look like Sean cards to me. <laughs> Why is that? Because they're gigantic? Yeah, you just like crushing people with the huge cards. It's true. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out in the end, Sean. So, man, what's next? I hope this set comes out soon. It's sealed? Yeah, I think it should probably be pretty quick, right? I tried to look it up today. I couldn't tell. Have you been playing any more cube? Mm, I've, I have not. Have, have you? Yeah, but not as much. I've kind of just been busy doing some other things as well as just doing this research to figure out, you know, how we're going to go bing, bong, bing, PPP. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd like to do more research into this. I think there's some other things that are most likely uh, that, that we just didn't look. And after hearing what you had to say and mm. thinking about more things, I think there's probably some sure stuff like, like a revised ppp coming up i think maybe plus the card you know just going through all the cards one more time and getting, getting a right better idea right. of how they work together makes sense i don't know what i don't know what we want to talk about next i mean hopefully what we're talking about is our first impressions of sealed i'm you know i don't know when it comes out but i thought it was coming out like pretty soon so we'll see i don't know we'll see, we'll see. okay all right sean uh any last last things you want to say um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the thing about the creatures being, um, at two, at two drop being limited, I think that's something I want to go back and look at and double check and make sure, but it seemed like there were fewer of them for some reason. I, I don't know. What if they, uh, put less in because at the two mana spot, a lot of people are going to be cycling. Maybe that's how they kind of replaced a lot of two drops. Yeah. Cycling mm -hmm. and, or like putting a counter on something or, mm -hmm. you know, seems like that's going to be a like not taking a turn off but you're not you're not affecting the board turn i don't know it's interesting removal looks very good i'm definitely scared of putting too much stock into just having one creature that's for sure and uh i'm looking to get some advantage of mutate actually doesn't look as like i don't know how often you're going to be mutating i guess that's what i'm trying to say uh, I think you're going to mutate sometimes when haste comes in really handy or if you have a really good target to mutate onto. But should we throw in out, out any uh, bold predictions, Sean? What percentage of the time are you going to cast your creature for its mutate ability if you already have something on the board? So I, I think it's going to be worse for... I think it will be the worst for mid-range mid decks. And I think Ooh. there will be it, there will be exploitable things for... Um, aggro and long game. You're saying aggro will do it more often? Well, I think I, I think that's the way that it would seem and, and long game because if you're playing one of those three color bombs, you're going to have to wait, right? And then you're going to want to do that thing because it's so powerful. 
Well, in aggro, isn't it kind of just happening once as your topper? Or are you saying you might foresee situations where you do build one creature up high from the very beginning? Well, yeah, I mean, I created an all in white, black, and green. I'm creating this monster that by turn three, you're having to deal with it. Otherwise, you're in big trouble. Well, I did. Because when I was playing red, I played my removal spell. And when I was playing black, I played my removal spell. When I was playing blue, I played my bounce spell. Right, but, so, but what, gotcha. what, is your, what is your removal spell? Do you want me to say them again? The red one deals three damage. Yeah, the black one dead. kills anything. The, the red one's not killing any turn one of my... Turn two. No. Turn two. No. Three threes. What? They're all three threes. On turn two? Yep. Fine. All right. And then my other one is... My blue one's the best one because I bounced your creature. Oh, sorry. And I drew a card too. And it cost me two whole mana to do it. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, so you, we'll so see about your turn three you're, aggro you're, building them up high. You're bouncing my Almaty Bushwag? Oh, no. Don't do that. Or my essence symbiote. Oh, no. Yeah, you're going to have to pay another mana to get it back out there again, too. So that's the way it's going to have to go. Oh, it's funny. Um, yeah. Okay. No, right. I, so I think that that's, that's my initial response to it. And the other thing is I think it'll be somewhat similar to um, the enchantment decks um, or the um, uh, – what was it before that when we were playing uh, the fairies and mm -hmm. stuff? What was the well, uh, It was mechanic. like, um, what was the mechanic in the fairy set? It was Merfolk Secret Keepers. They would just mill you all the time. No, I think but that what was, was the, the official the... mechanic of the set. <laughs> what was the actual mechanic that they had? What, what the, that it was had? called they would go on adventures. Adventures, thank you. And they would mill you. your entire deck yeah, away. Yeah, so adventures. That was the other thing. So I think if you can imagine that being somewhat like the white-green enchantment decks, for instance, that when you had the right combination, it was really powerful, right? Right. And when you didn't, when you fell a little bit short, it would fall a little short. That's that's kind of how I see it. Okay, so you're saying that there are going to be maybe a couple color combinations where you can pull off the mutate thing more often. Probably more in the monsters colors, probably more in the red, green, blue type area of things, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think green is going to be heavy in that category. Um, white maybe a little monsters bit eating all my eyeballs. oh boy um so yeah that's where i'm at with it what about you i haven't heard you made a prediction about it you didn't even say a percentage so good way of getting out of that one all right i'll i'll put my neck on the line here and i'll say um you are going to mutate your creatures 23 percent of the time that's not very much that's what i'm going with okay i'll go with higher than that i'll say 40 percent uh, the only other thing I want to mention is the red-white cycling. Cycling looks fun. There's a lot of cards that do something when you cycle. I tried to make the combination. I tried to make it happen. But I'll say one thing. When I was going through this exercise and seeing all these really cool things like that, I had a really hard time making the mana lineup. Yeah, I noticed that too. I would be like, well, this three drop's awesome, but the cool thing to do after it is also a three drop. Yep. And I'd be like, so now I'm kind of just like being a little inefficient with my mana, even though I'm still doing kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's it's It was really hard to find two drops that that played into it with the were creatures. Yes. Except for the blue flying uh, shimmering jellyfish that you can untap, so you just mutate onto it, and then you get to cast your bounce spell. I'm going to jellyfish so many people. Oh, it's boy. jellyfish time, baby. Uh, All right, so that's, and you said 40, and I said 23. All right, anything else, Sean? Anything else that you want to say to everybody? Mm. Just to spread some positivity out there? Or are you just, are you, are you uh, none today? Just giving none of it out? Uh, Keep it. I'm, uh, generally, no. 
Yeah, you guys can have some if you need it. Take it. Here it is. It's free. Free love. All right, well, it's my turn to uh, shout out an artist. All right, let's go. Let's wrap it up. And Uh, thank you guys very much. (laughs) Really enjoyed everything. We really want to say thank you for listening. Appreciate everything you do. Oh my gosh. Here we go. So I thought we were going to stick to magic-related shout-outs, and then Sean busted out last week with... Um, Matt Waldman. Chef and Matt Waldman. Matt Waldman responded on Twitter. Thank you, Matt Waldman, for that was amazing. being cool like that. I don't think he listened to the episode, though. He probably just saw you. He did. He, he probably went back and listened to Jeff Dunks, too. And he thinks it's his a favorite big, podcast big, segment now. Yeah, he's a big Magic fan. I never knew. All right, so I'm also going to shout out a non-Magic-related artist. And I'm going to shout out an artist, a painter named uh, Robin Francesca Williams. I'm on Instagram quite a bit, people, and this is currently my favorite Instagram artist. Uh, the way I would describe her art is she does large format paintings of um, people, and each person I would say, or pair of people, it's usually either one or two people in each of her paintings. Uh, these people, I would say, give off a very strong emotion, so you could look at it and be like, wow, I feel anxiety, or wow, I feel joy. But what's crazy about them is I think a lot of people feel different ways. So you may be standing next to somebody and say, you know, I feel sadness. And the other person says, wow, I think it's elation. So it's it's really cool. I really like her. Check it out. Cool. I got one more thing for you. Are you going to be coloring any Easter eggs this weekend, Jeff? We already did. Okay. Um, do you have any special methods that you like to use that you want to share with people? <laughs> sure. Uh, we poke a little hole in the... Uh, bottom side of the egg and then we uh boil them in water for uh get them up to a boil and then leave them covered for about 10 minutes and then we use those little packets that you could get when i was a little kid and they still sell them they're little dye round little dye things and so basically for a couple little things of dye you pay four dollars oh and you also get a little piece of a uh, wire to dip yep paz i think it's with called. that four with that four dollar investment so that four dollars you know gets you i'm guessing about eight cents worth of product but you also get it in a neat box with a bunny on it that's right and you what about you well we do the same thing you should add a little vinegar to your mix so it'll, it'll make the colors deeper and richer that's one trick Ooh. a little tiny bit of vinegar Uh, It doesn't smell good, but it helps out quite a bit. Um, The other thing is, here's what I want everyone to try this year if you've never tried this before. Even if you're not into, I mean, I'm not religious, um, but we just like to celebrate and and have uh, shared customs. So um, tradition, call it. Uh, So what we like to do is we take rubber bands of all different sizes and you just kind of wrap them around the egg, right? And then you put it into a primary color. Let's just use yellow for an example. You let it soak in there, take it out, let it dry, remove the rubber bands, and now you have white on yellow. Now you take that same thing, maybe only remove half the rubber bands, so leave half on, and then you put it in another primary color, let's just say blue. And what you end up with is a a green egg that has yellow and white um, uh, stripes. Or you can do multiple combinations of things like that. I think I know who brought this into your family. You have a, there's a very creative person in your family, and I have a feeling they're the one who introduced this method. Am I right? You're probably right about these things. I am probably right. That sounds really cool. I bet that looks amazing. Have you done them yet? Are you about to do them? So we do it every year. We've gotten more fancy every year. This is like 
we're going on year eight or something. Um, so yeah, now we do all kinds of little things like that. So I'll actually take tape. That's another really awesome trick. Takes um, what is it called? Scotch tape that's clear. Yes. And you cut it into really thin little strips, and then you can actually like. Um, you put it on there in designs, like whatever shapes and designs you want. You can make pictures out of it. If you're really technical, you can get like a, an X-Acto knife and cut out the exact things you want to do. And then I, I just make geometric shapes. And then you just do the same process. You keep the tape on, dunk the egg, remove it, let it dry, and then remove some of the tape. And then use a secondary color and then remove all the tape. Sometimes I'll do three colors, and I'll send you pictures. How about that? Sean Dunks. Cool. Sean Dunks. Yeah? Sweet. <laughs> that sounds awesome, dude. That sounds like everybody should go out there and try that. I, even if it's not Easter, it just sounds cool. Yeah, don't. it's not even about that. It's just about getting together yeah. with your family and doing something fun. And then if you want to go hide the eggs tomorrow and have people search for them, that's fun, too. It is. Yeah. It can be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, um, everybody... Be good. Bye-bye. I'm sorry for the way I
Bye. 